Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm a Nebraska cheerleader. And I am the ringmaster. Welcome to episode 198, In Your House. Good friends. Better enemies. It's not a numbered one. Nope. No? We actually have a real a real title to this one. We got words yeah. and shit. I feel like maybe when I Googled it, it said seven, but maybe not. But it is no. the seventh. I don't know if annual is the correct word. No, nah, because I do like. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the seventh rendition. Yeah, seven, of in your house uh, continuation. The, seventh... the first one started last year. I think so... it- iteration might be. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Yes. This would actually take place on April twenty eighth, nineteen ninety six, from the Omaha Civic Auditorium in Omaha, Omaha. Nebraska, with an attendance of 9,563 people. That's a whole lot of Huskers in one spot. Mm-hmm. How many, uh, that's To probably... be honest, I did not see a Huskers shirt in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. that is interesting. I saw some Creighton, yeah. though, because it was at Creighton's. Back in the day, I mean, you had your Husker gear here and there, because for anybody who does not know, I grew up in Nebraska. Yeah, we didn't have, like... It wasn't everybody sporting Husker gear every day, all day, because we actually supported other teams. Like, I remember in the mid-90s, you had a lot of your Bulls stuff. You had a lot of people still holding on to the Raiders. You had a lot of Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Some people had their Husker gear, but for the most part, you didn't need to hit the... Well, I was going to say hit the nearest Walmart, but we didn't have a nearest Walmart back then because yeah. Walmarts weren't everywhere like they are now. It wasn't as heavy as like the OU fandom. Okay. No. I mean, it was because they were in the process of multiple national championships at that time. You know, having Tommy Frazier and Scott Frost on the football team. Also, that it was April, and the majority of your Husker gear that you wear is, like, sweaters and jackets and stuff like that. You know, your cold pullover. What the hell were those things called? Starter jackets. Starter jackets. There we go. But, you know, here it's it's April, so it's it's practically summertime. Your uh, stocking cap, you know. Yeah. Not so much. We're we're a little removed from uh, the football season, to say the least. A little bit. But Omaha Civic Center. Oh, any any great things you remember that you've seen in the Omaha Civic Center? Uh, I mean, it's a touchy subject because my house was broken into just a few weeks ago. Oh no no no! no. I saw TLC at the Omaha Civic Auditorium, and here just three weeks ago, somebody broke into my house and stole my autograph memorabilia from my wall that I've had for the last twenty-seven years. Yeah. Yep. So they stole my autograph CDs and they stole my autograph backstage pass and they broke into my shadow box to steal it all. But they did leave me the picture that I have of me and my sister with the band. So that oh, was that's great. nice. Yeah. I mean, I did um, get on eBay and see if I could find a backstage pass 
to buy for you. There was not one on eBay at the moment, but I was like, it's like, ah, that would be a great thing if I could find it for shape. It's probably like $28. Nobody's like selling that for a bunch of money, but it'd be, you know, so the thought that counts. And I was like, fuck. It's like, I just assumed it would be an easy thing to find. And it's like, oh, looked up the year of the tour and everything. I was like, ah, nope. No, mine, no was, dice. mine was especially special because when I saw TLC, it was the show right before T-Boz checked herself in for her sickle cell oh, oh, sickness. Oh. So it was the kind of last show that they did before she had to go in for treatment. But, I mean, I did see some other good shows in Omaha. I went to plenty plenty of Monday Night Raws. I got free front row seats because they had given me a ghost ticket for me and my nephew, and technically it was his seat. He was four or five at the time so we got moved from a seat that didn't exist in the nosebleeds all the way to the front row so yeah that was my first front Doing row experience exactly yeah that's about yeah. it mostly wrestling and concerts i saw yeah. michael w smith there so then you never caught like a uh you know a night uh fuck i was gonna say night at the opera fan of the opera or something <laughs> like that yes at the civic center seems no. like a thing that you know but. Nope, I didn't go to Omaha to see any theatrical performance. Those were basically for the Leeds Center in Lincoln. Ah, uh, okay. But no, That's Omaha cool. has grown a lot. It's not the ugly old town that I remember it back in the, the days when I lived there. Well, I didn't actually live in Omaha, but would go yeah. up to visit. Nebraska has changed a lot. It's it's growing like it should. I just wish it would get a Grow. smarter population that... <laughs> wouldn't don't we all wish mm -hmm. most i'll just stop right there population. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but along with us being in omaha and you being from omaha or nebraska uh-huh you also brought us something you didn't I have did. to ask the masses i actually made it this time because you know i know i know some of the stuff of the place that i made today we are in nebraska and I believe this is our first time being in Nebraska, and it'll be a while before we're back in Nebraska, so I had to think, what the fuck am I going to bring to showcase where I'm from? Lots of options. Kool-Aid started in Nebraska. Really? Uh, the McRib started in Nebraska. They, they, they were like, what if you pressed pork bits into the shape of a rib right. cage? You've got a lot, of, a lot of farmland there, a lot of farm animals, so you got to take mm -hmm. all those leftover bits because... Growing up in Crete, Nebraska, I'd been to the, what used to be known as farmland, now it's Bill or something like that, I don't know. But I basically learned that you have to use all of the parts of the animal, because you can't let anything go to waste. So you know, Absolutely your, not. Your pigs and stuff, you've got leftover things that are made for like medications, there's Pepto-Bismol, if you didn't know, was made from pig ingredients. It's so. not vegan? It's, I thought it was it's not vegan. It's not uh, Is it kosher? Is it pink because it's, it's got It's very <laughs> But in Nebraska, much like Oklahoma or any other state that you visit, there's some sort of signature something that they're known for. In Oklahoma, we're known for onion burgers. In Nebraska, they are known for what's called the Runza Sandwich. The Runza Sandwich is basically a, uh, a fancy Hot Pocket it's a biroc. If you're not familiar with what those are, it's ground beef, cabbage, some onions and special spices baked inside a homemade dough. I did not go the route of making homemade dough, but I made all of the other ingredients. Well, I sourced them and cooked them, but I used frozen biscuit dough and just thawed it out, proofed it, and made little mini runzas. It's uh, damn near close to the real deal. It's pretty delicious. Um, 
I worked for them. That was my first job in high school. I worked for them for a couple years, left to join the uh, Blockbuster video team, and then was called back within a year to be their first assistant manager ever at the Crete, Nebraska location. So wait, the, what was the restaurant called? Runza. Oh, so I thought Runza was what this was, and that was just a thing that existed. No. But they created it and... It started out long, long ago, yeah. and it was just a, a little old lady that was, you know, selling them out of this little shack out yeah. by the park. Some old German lady? I believe so. And it it caught on. People would come from miles around to have her runs of sandwiches, and then they started opening more of them. It's definitely and, a very good cold weather food for yes. sure. It's very uh, satisfying. Uh, part of the sales pitch for Runza during the cold months is for a streak of time, you know, a month or a few weeks, however long it is, they will, whatever the temperature is at, I think it's like 10 o'clock in the morning, something like that, whatever the temperature is, that's how much you pay for your Runza mm. during their little promo. So... If it's negative, you just get a free runza as long as you buy a, a fry and a drink. You know, for the longest time, it was in the five cent, ten cent range, just because. Jesus. Yeah, because it was, was cold as fuck in Nebraska. Pretty uh, incredible uh, promotional tactic. The uh, ingredients are simple. Typically, it comes with no cheese. You can get it with cheese. Uh, they have what's known as their Swiss mushroom runza, where they put some. Mushroom, Swiss cheese, a little bit of Lowry seasoning salt inside of it. It gives it a, a twist on the flavor. They've come up with some different ones. I had a Philly Runza the last time I was up there because that was the, the deal that they had going. It was pretty damn good. Yeah. It's like a Philly with cabbage. Once upon a time, they had the Mexican Runza and the Italian Runza. I used to like mine, adding a little bit of ranch dressing, bacon, lettuce, and tomato to it. Oh, um, more hamburger style. Kind of. They're known for their crinkle cut fries. I was contemplating going to Brahms and getting some crinkle cuts just to go with them, but then I would have needed the onion ring dip. Ah, uh, just too much. Yeah, these are these are heavy. They are good. They are they are tasty. They are tasty. pretty simple to make. Just they take a little time. Yeah, I'm impressed. It's a good a good um, hearty meal. Definitely. Mm -hmm. But a good flavor, peppery and a, and uh, very. The main difference in these is I didn't get the cabbage cooked down enough. Oh, really? So I think they got a little bit of... It's, it's like al dente. Yeah, no, but I think that's good. Yeah. I don't mind it at all because it gives that's it good. just a little more texture. Always love a little texture. Yeah. But well, that's, my, uh, that's my Runza story. Yeah, these are great. Thank you for sharing your Nebraska <laughs> treat with us. Um, legitimately. Well, you know, I can't talk much this. about the next thing coming up, so I don't have a whole lot of info on <laughs> it. <laughs> Well, right around the same time as in your house, Dexter's Laboratory would hit the airwaves actually the same exact day it would premiere. Which this is, I remember as a kid, my dad was like, oh, there's a new cartoon channel. He told me about it. Mm -hmm. And it was like one of the later channels on cable. So it was like in the 60s or something. But after like seven or eight o'clock, it turned into like the TV Guide channel. It like cut off at a certain point. In early, when it first started, yeah, when it first started, but I was I was a staunchly Nickelodeon kid. Obviously, big Nickelodeon kid. Yeah, and you I, can always tell usually how a person is because you can ask them: Were you yeah. a Cartoon Network or were you a Nickelodeon? Yeah, I was a Nickelodeon guy for sure, and I uh, stuck with it probably longer than I'm willing to admit. But the uh, Cartoon Network I did fiddle around with, and I think that. I would have appreciated these shows more if I took the time to do it. 
because I love uh, Gendy Tartakovsky, mm-hmm. and uh, he created the show. Uh, he's an incredible animator, famous for Powerpuff Girls, uh, Samurai Jack. He, he, Matt, he, Matt he, he didn't create Powerpuff Girls. He did not. He was just a producer, producer writer oh, okay. on that show. It was actually Craig McCracken who did Powerpuff Girls, oh, okay. who worked for him on Dexter's Laboratory. Nice. But it, yeah, it was that one. It was Samurai Jack. Uh, he did the Star Wars. He did the original Star Wars Clone Wars, which I think is great, mm-hmm. and I do not like the CGI one at all. You can, and if you've never seen that Star Wars Clone Wars, and you're a Star Wars fan, it's you great. can find that entire run on YouTube. Yeah, and literally each episode's like three or four minutes long. You can watch it in an hour and a half. I think it's some it of the best backstory great. stuff. Yeah, I think that it is. I mean, the Clone Wars. TV show that Disney does yeah. took parts like elements that mm-hmm. he did in his version and integrated it into. Well, there was also theirs. the CGI Cartoon Network one, right? The computer animated. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's, that's the, one the, the one you were. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. See, I try. I tried to get in that one and could not get into it, but I do love uh, the Tartakovsky one, and uh, it's great. It's also on Disney Plus. But is it on Disney Plus now? It is, yeah. I, I watched it on YouTube before I had Disney Plus. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, of course, he he just finished up Primal. Primal's great. I have not watched Primal Season 2, but I plan to soon because I was waiting for it to end because those, basically, you can watch them as like an hour and, and a half movie. And uh, I feel like it's more satisfying that way. Hmm. I've never watched any of them. I mean, I've seen a couple episodes of Dexter's Laboratory. Well, so, I remember Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. But... I was right along with you. I was a Nickelodeon kid yeah watching the nickelodeon uh cartoons i didn't actually get into dexter's i mean i saw a few dexter's and i i actually liked them but it was yeah i was enjoying it, it was later on i've never ever watched powerpuff uh powder yeah powerpuff or samurai jack i mean i've probably caught you'd, you'd probably a little like bit samurai of it jack, yeah i haven't watched all of samurai jack but i know but I, mean, I actually am at this point going going back through and rewatching. i've just finished like season three of Dexter's actually, but he has like as far he has a very d- distinct and uh, interesting cartooning style. Art style, yeah. That is like very like sharp and uh, animated. And a lot of stuff now that's animated, they don't take liberties with animation. They try to make it look real, and that's one thing that he did really well because he's also the guy that did the. Hotel Transylvania movies, okay. which they yeah. they actually do characters where you know their eyes get big and they move in ways that would be very uh, Looney Tune without necessarily looking Looney Tune, but they do things that are not physically possible, which is what animation is good for. You want the eyes to shoot out of somebody's head. You want you know you want them to you know do things that aren't physically possible because smoke out of your that's ears. comedy, yeah. But yeah, he also uh, had a short run with a. Power Man series through Marvel Comics years ago as well. Hmm. But he's just, uh, you know, uh, an animator that is celebrated, but not necessarily by the masses. But the people who know, know and uh, care. Absolutely. I mean, if you if you like animation at all, and you've never watched any Tartakovsky stuff, yeah. you should definitely go check it out, because it's, it's usually very smartly written. Yes, he, like Dexter's Lab, it's literally a kid genius and his annoying older, sister. Annoying older sister. Dee Dee! And, like, like I said, 
super smart writing that like I now at, you know, 40 plus years old am watching some of these episodes for the first time and, and I appreciate them and I'm appreciating them. I'm laughing at some of the jokes. Yeah. So they almost had a live action Powerpuff Girls show. It's Donald Faison. It's it has it hasn't it's still in production hell. Is it? Okay. Is that, yeah. yeah. So not I knew it, it didn't get picked up, so I didn't know if they right. were still doing anything with it. But yeah, either way, like that Cartoon Network stuff. At the time, I was like, "Yeah, this is fine," but I didn't put the time into it because I had my rotation on, uh, you know, on my 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 snick. But uh, but the, the, that's one thing that the best Cartoon Network shows do is that they are still funny and there's still jokes for adults in there the same way that the best Nickelodeon shows did it. Yep. The same way Ren and Stimpy and Rugrats. Animaniacs. Yeah. Pinky the Brain. Like, there's, yeah, there's yeah. jokes in those. Well, those are WB, like, but yeah, but yeah. still, yeah, like all the best but animation just like, of the just 90s. Going through all of animation. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. the best animation. Looney Tunes has tons of adult jokes. Are, like, there's jokes it, that kids are going to understand, but then there's that subtle one that, like, mm-hmm. only adults are going to understand. It works for both people. Yeah. Which is kind of an argument I have against Pixar, but we won't get into that. Because there's no way any child's like, I really love Soul. No. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, that's for that's for adults. <laughs> and that's the difference and the line to ride for animation. It should be for children, but it should also not bore the brains out of the adults. It should be smart enough for them, too. That's what you're always looking for. Absolutely. Well, let's find out if this in your house doesn't bore us out of our minds. WWF, is it for kids? Is it for adults? Can it be for both? The WF logo comes on the screen before we go to highlights with narration. Diesel is a reckless, rebellious malcontent, but he's not a pessimist. His glass is half full. Shawn Michaels, on the other hand, his glass is half empty, as he has fulfilled his dream, but lost a friend in the process. I'm sure he's real beat up about it. Yeah. The Heartbreak Kid yields a physical and psychological advantage to Big Daddy Cool. Will David be able to slay Goliath? What a great, simple line. The narrator finishes with that these two will hate each other even more when it's over. We then go to an animation of a World War II bomber dropping in-your-house bombs on on Omaha. Omaha. Which blew my mind. It's like, oh, we're just dropping bombs on Omaha? I'm supposed to be okay with that? That's that's where the president goes if he if he's if the nation is under attack. Oh, is that, is that true? Places. Yeah, I guess it's one of those things where it's like, well, it, uh, it is in the middle of the country. Yeah, like when nine eleven was happening, and yeah, that's that's one of the places that he was oh. supposed to be heading to. Bush was. Like, hmm. I don't know if he ended up there or if word had got out that he's on his way to Omaha, so yeah. they rerouted him somewhere else. But yeah, either way, that is a uh, safe hold. Yes, they've got a. A bunker, Air Force base. Because there, yeah, most other countries are gonna be like Omaha. What the hell is that? Exactly. <laughs> Living in Nebraska, working at Blockbuster Video. Anytime I would call Florida, for because that's where Blockbuster was based out of. Uh, like, where are you at, Nebraska? Uh, what country is that in? Like, <laughs> this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Vince McMahon then welcomes us to the show, and he's joined by Jerry the King Law for commentary. Welcome to the Heartland. And the king predicts that Diesel will ruin Sean's life tonight. Oh my gosh, what a crazy. But he did not say he would win, though. That's true. He's just going to ruin his life. But we go straight to our first match. 
The British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, with Owen Hart, Jim Cornette, and Clarence Mason, the lawyer, versus Jake the Snake Roberts. And Vince sends us two footage from Germany the previous weekend, where the Bulldog would attack Jake after a match he was having with Owen. And Roberts would garner a bit of revenge by placing his snake on him. And, I mean, the actual reptile. Yeah, yes. With McMahon telling us that Davy Boy was afraid. We cut back to live action, and we see Clarence Mason arguing with the ref before Vince sends it to the back for a Jake promo. And Robert says he has a plan. When McMahon interrupts him to ask if he sees what's happening in the ring, and Jake just responds that he doesn't go anywhere blind, except for in a blindfold match, and he has something for them. And when Roberts makes it to the ring, the ref shows him the paper that bans snakes from ringside. No snakes! Only for Jake to just rip it up and bring out the snake that sends everybody except Corny running out of the ring. Yep, and uh, Snake finds a home. Jim faints once he sees the snake, (laughs) so his team has to revive him while the ref forces Roberts to take his snake to the locker room. Corny sells it in wonderful corny fashion. He done good. Jake takes his snake back to the locker room, but when he returns, he's not alone. And they turn this match into a tag team match. So our actual first match... Let's go. ...is the British Bulldog of Davy Boy Smith and Owen Hart, with Jim Cornette and Clarence Mason, versus Jake the Snake Roberts and Ahmed Johnson. You know what I love about this is that uh, they kind of booked Jake and his snake versus Owen Hart. And the is like, oh, well, Owen's already out there. Was he just? I guess Owen has quasi-managed or done backup before, but still. Now, the reason this was all done was because Bulldog actually had a legit injury. And to help basically work around it, they... Made it a tag team match. Yeah. A little less work. And it makes sense because the two from WrestleMania 12, the six man would be Vader with Bulldog and Owen, and then Yoko with Jake and Ahmed. So it's like, okay, well, this is a kind of a rematch as well, minus the big boys. It's a little bit more, uh, less unruly, a little more fair. You might also notice Ahmed actually has his hand wrapped. Because Davy Boy had broken his thumb when they had had an arm wrestling match on Raw. That sounds raw as hell. So the match gets going. Jake is hitting some jabs, doing some arm work and heart. Crowd's hot. But Owen makes the tag to Bulldog. Only for Davy Boy to tag right back out when Ahmed tags in. They're scared. They're building the boy. The build, he is a big scary boy. He's a big dude. I... I... Yeah, I've seen him in... He's, he's big fucking he's, He is jacked up. Like, Bulldog is jacked up, but he's not as defined no. as Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed is both big and tall. Yeah. Hart's thrown around the ring by Johnson, and he tries to tag in Bulldog, only for Davy Boy to continuously avoid tagging in. We will put a Diana Cam, and uh, Jerry Lawler calls her the Tammy Wynette. I mean, that's not very nice. Granted... Tammy Wynette, extremely talented, complicated person. 
Oh, and then hits some headbutts and goes for a hip toss, only to be reversed by Jake. Roberts goes for multiple attempts of a DDT, only for Hart to escape each time. Owen then gains the advantage with an eye rake and, a, and forearms, allowing Bulldog to come in with a body slam, only to miss an elbow drop, so Jake rolls to the corner to tag in Ahmed, sending Davy Boy scurrying to his corner. Great job of making Ahmed a big scary beast. I mean, when they have the Bulldog afraid of him, it means something. He's actually shown a little bit of personality in this one. Oh, there's a lot more energy. Like, he, yeah. he's he got a little bit of Goldberg in him. Hey, yeah, totally. Which is kind of what they're building, but they will not capitalize on. Yeah. Owen reluctantly gets into a test of strength. Good luck, Owen. And, of course, he loses. Absolutely. Followed by Ahmed hitting a vicious clothesline and clubbing blows. Bulldog jumps in the ring to attack from behind to make the save, allowing his team to take control, working the hand of Johnson. The Ahmed begins to no-sell Davy Boy's blows, taking him to the corner, but Hart's right there with a cheap shot to keep control. Owen goes for a body slam, but he's unable to, allowing Johnson to press slam Hart down to the mat and tag Jake back in. Now Robert's whip is reversed, but Owen charges into an empty corner, allowing Jake to charge in, only to receive a big boot and a second rope dropkick. And this is like perfectly put together tag team wrestling. Everything makes so much sense. It's so understandable and it's not boring, even though not a lot has happened. It's just so well put together. Hart and Bulldog double team Roberts with stomps, chokes, headbutts, and turnbuckle smashes. Davy Boy then delivers a leg drop, Owen with a second rope elbow drop, before wearing Jake down with a headlock, only for Roberts to escape with an elbow. But Hart comes right back with a leaping back elbow, and he goes for the sharpshooter, but he's kicked off, sending Jake trying for the tag, only for Owen to stop him and tag him Bulldog. Now Davy Boy keeps control with a headlock, only for Roberts to escape again with an elbow. And he goes to run the ropes, but Hart gets a knee up into his back to slow the momentum. More choking and forearms from Owen and Bulldog before Hart telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Jake to kick him and nail some right hands. But Owen then reverses a whip and locks on a sleeper. Roberts escapes with a jawbreaker and crawls to his corner for the hot tag. Ahmed comes in with right hands and a spine buster to Davy Boy, followed by a clothesline to Hart. Johnson then tags Jake back in, who attempts another DDT, this time on Bulldog, only for Owen to charge, causing Roberts to drop Davy Boy and back body drop Hart. Ahmed then comes in as well to nail Bulldog, before helping Jake with a double team clothesline on Hart, sending him out to the floor. As they celebrate, Davy Boy grabs Corny's racket, while Owen drags Johnson down to the floor, allowing Bulldog to nail Roberts in the knee before placing him in a leg bar for the submission and, and the win. win. Post-match, Ahmed drops Hart across the guardrail before rolling back into the ring to check on Jake. And the crowd was so hot. So hot for... These heels, so hot for Jake, so hot for Ahmed, and 
Nebraska was very, very, very much Jake Roberts yeah. territory. You could totally tell the DDT chants everywhere, and uh, it was also such a well put together tag match. It was such a wrestling tag match that it's like, oh, this is how you milk a crowd, and everybody knows who these people are, and Ahmed is new and well look at him. Yep. Yeah, the crowd definitely hot for this match. This was Nebraska's first pay per view wrestling wise, so we'd been they, waiting. They showed up, yeah. Yeah. We'd we'd been ready and waiting for a big show to come our way for a very long time. I'm over, still, yeah, still over, bummed I didn't make it to it. But over nine thousand people in Omaha is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Especially for a lower you know it's this is not the height of WWF as far as like sales and viewership goes yeah. but uh ten thousand you know, people in a civic auditorium you're you're doing you're good, good. Mm-hmm. and such a great use of jake roberts vince then plugs the superstar hotline and we go to video of mark merrill and one two three kid having an ex- a heated exchange on the phones all while sable just stares blankly at the camera yep oh merrill and one two three kid I, I wanted to hear what they were saying to each other, but I couldn't really tell. Nah, probably. Their facial expressions alone were just comic, comic relief. Uh-huh. Jerry Lawler puts over, heals it up, and says, "Do you really think Sable was pretty?" Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, Vincent Man says, "I'd like to talk to Sable myself." It's like we know Vince, white cotton pants. Yep. So we go to our second match: Goldust with Marlena and the Bodyguard. Versus the Ultimate Warrior for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. The champ comes out first. Foreshadowing. And I was shaking in my boots when Goldust came out first. Now the bodyguard, he's the former Mantar. Okay. Ah. I was trying to figure out who he was. Who we last saw at Holiday Hell 95, episode 178, as Bruiser Mastino. Okay. Yeah, see, I was looking at him thinking, is this somebody I should recognize, or is this just a local guy that is playing bodyguard for the night? Also, one other note, earlier in the month, the Intercontinental title had actually been vacated when Goldust and Savio Vega had a match end in a no contest. But the Golden One had won it back on the Raw before this show, so he's now a two-time IC champion. Weird that they vacated it on a... I don't know the exact reason yeah, why it was I'm a sure no they contest. had some kind of excuse, but still weird. Hmm. The reason is because Goldust is actually injured, and so they were like, let's take the belt off of him without him losing, mm. but then I think he got a doctor's... Basically, the doctor said he can work, he just need, it needs to be... Light. Light. Hence, Raw. Exactly. So, after he won the belt back, Goldust was headed to the back when he interrupts an interview that was happening with the Warrior. And the Golden One starts doing, you know, his usual antics yeah. of, you know, you know yeah, that, get, that get, whole get thing. Yeah, somebody's face, touching himself, you know, it's pretty intimidating and bizarre. Which prompts the Ultimate Warrior to say, I don't give a shit what you're into. On live TV. Oh. Which ends up giving us this match. Vince also sends us to a clip from the free-for-all 
where we see Marlena blowing gold dust into Warrior's face, which infuriates him. And as Goldust gets in the ring, we see a bandage on his knee, with it being explained that the Golden One had slipped while the Ultimate Warrior chased him after their confrontation on Raw. All right. So they're acknowledging that he's injured. He actually is injured. Hence what we're about to get. Exactly. Do of Jerry Lawler. This Goldust reminds me of the movies. I'm the good, he's the bad, and you're the ugly. Which, uh, the ugly being Vince McMahon. So Goldust rolls out to the floor when the warrior comes into the ring, being scared, when the bodyguard would try and distract the ultimate warrior, allowing the golden one to come back into the ring. But it doesn't work, so Goldust retreats down the aisle, pulling Marlena along with him, and she drops her cigar as they're backing away, so Warrior picks it up and starts to smoke it. Stoking it up. Followed by taking the director's chair and placing it in the ring draping the Golden One's robe and wig on it. Vince McMahon, as far as I know, the Ultimate Warrior doesn't smoke. Yeah. Thanks for the update, Dad. Ultimate Warrior then takes a seat, all while continuing to smoke the cigar, while Goldust and his crew are getting visually mad. Goldin' them, man. And the fans start chanting derogatory things at the Golden One, so he gets on the mic and threatens to kiss every one of them. Yeah. And people wonder why it took me until I was, you know, in my early 30s <laughs> to come out. Because I grew up in Nebraska, where yeah. if you were any kind of different, you had 9,000 people chanting at you. Mm, I love that uh, Terry Waller keeps these movie things, and I'm like, damn, Terry Waller might like movies. <laughs> but he says that maybe he needs to see a doctor, like Dr. Zhivago, or maybe his own personal Dr. Strangelove, which is pretty good. Warrior finally lures Gold Dust into the ring with... Marlena in front of him. So Ultimate Warrior offers the cigar back to her and letting the Golden One put his robe back on before Golden Dust takes a seat in his director's chair. Warrior takes the cigar back from Marlena while the Golden One is getting comfortable and he offers a handshake to Ultimate Warrior. Only for Warrior to put the cigar out on his hand. I know, I rewound it back. I was like, oh, he goes just far back enough to where his wrist thing his uh suit goes over his hand yep ultimate warrior follows up with a clothesline that sends gold dust out to the floor and headed to the back allowing warrior to pick up the count out victory hmm. hey they uh i would say they got it over quick but it didn't feel that way no post-match ultimate warrior chases the bodyguard around ringside and into the ring where the guard attacks only for Warrior to ultimate up, nailing a clothesline and a shoulder tackle before ripping the clothes off of the bodyguard and body slamming him. The guard starts to leave, so the Warrior puts the Golden One's wig and the bodyguard's hat on for what Vince calls a strange sight. Yeah, and then uh, Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler, Lawler put it over. They're like, that wasn't a really about. I'm like, no. No, it wasn't. I don't know what that was about. No, and then, I mean, we know because he was injured, so it's like, oh, well, we'll just try to do a comedy thing, but it wasn't very funny. And then Jerry Lawler asks, do you think that Goldust has seen his last picture show? Which I got a kick out of as well. I love these movie references. We go backstage, and Doc Hendricks is there, where he's reporting on an angry bulldog standing outside Shawn Michaels' locker room. 
He's yelling at a pair of officials. Doc doesn't seem to know what's happened, but Davy Boy is irate, saying he mentioned something about his wife, and Hendrix will follow the story. What did you say about Diana? She's a Don't say that about Sam. <laughs> we then go to our third match. <clears throat> Vader with Jim Cornette versus Razor Ramon. Macedon versus the Razor. I mean, uh, yeah, Ramon was not on WrestleMania. I mean, he I was suspended. He's back from mm-hmm. his suspension early. Or maybe on time. Who knows? Yeah, maybe on time, but he's back from suspension. <laughs> so Vader has been busy lately. He took out Yokozuna's leg with a pair of Vader bombs a few weeks ago on Raw, forcing Yoko to be forklifted out of the building. I mean, that's a great image. So the match gets going, and the Mastodon shoves the bad guy around and out of the ring, peppering him with punches, headbutts, and short-arm clotheslines. Ramon begins to fire up after ducking a pair of clotheslines, kicking Vader low, and setting up for a razor's edge, only to be back body dropped out to the floor. I know that quick razor's edge is nice. There's a, they do a zoom in on Vader's face, and his mask is like pushing his toes down. Always. And it's yeah, but they just like point it out, and it's very funny because they did the zoom in, and they're like, oh. It's for yeah. I remember when Vader first, when I first saw him, and his nose was like that. And that was my thought the yeah. entire time. Is why does he wear that thing? Because that's that's yeah. gotta hurt at some point. And then you know, typically in matches, he'd take it off after yeah, like five think, minutes. Yeah. I mean, also. He has that one singlet, and half the time, he, like, at one point in his career, he just starts wearing it backwards. <laughs> so, one place is Vader time on his back, and then it's something on his chest. <laughs> He's uh, Leon White. He's uh, special, and we love him. But the bad guy rolls right back in to continue the attack with right hands and a trio of clotheslines that send the Mastodon down to the floor. Jerry Waller asks, uh, what is a Mastodon? A Nebraska cheerleader? Which is right. It is pretty rude. They're corn-fed. Vader keeps breaking the count, giving him time to regroup, when Corny jumps on the apron to distract Ramon, but to no avail, as Razor turns in time to go back to on the attack. The Mastodon reverses a whip and nails an avalanche splash in the corner, following up with a clothesline, an elbow drop, and a splash in the middle of the ring for a two-count. Vader's hitting stiff shots in the corner and goes for a short-arm clothesline that the bad guy ducks and reverses into a back suplex for a near fall. The Mastodon comes right back to body slam Ramon and goes up to the second rope for a Vader bomb that gets a two count. A Razor's taken down with a headbutt and a back suplex. He goes back to the stiff shots before trying for a vertical suplex only for the bad guy to reverse into one of his own. Pretty impressive. I mean, he just suplexed the Mastodon. The Mastodon hits a clothesline to regain control, and he goes up to the second rope to try for another splash. But Ramon catches and slams him down to the mat for a near fall. Clothesline from Razor, but has his whip reversed, only for Vader to run into a big boot, allowing the bad guy to come off the second rope with a diving bulldog for a two count. Ramon then runs into an avalanche, allowing the Mastodon to head up top. But Razor meets him there, and he tries for a Razor's Edge. But Vader is too much to lift. Which is a great spot, because I was like, oh, fuck, Razor's been kind of 
working from under, as he should, since he's the baby face. But he's like, it's like, oh, there's no way he's getting a razor, a normal razor's edge off of this guy. He's huge. But him up on the apron, and then when he's too big and Vader just like falls off the side, feels very realistic. Yeah. Vader doesn't reverse anything. He just benefits from the fact that he's so much larger. The Mastodon body slams the bad guy down. So Vader goes for the top rope again when Razor places Vader on his shoulders for an electric chair drop. Pretty nice. Ramon then sets up for the Razor's Edge once more, but he's backdropped again before the Mastodon just butt splashes him for the pin. And, and the win. win. That butt splash is kind of scary. I was like, ooh. Just because, you know, I mean, I, uh, I believe that Vader can control himself. But we've heard otherwise from some other people. Yeah, a little bit. Of, there's a little bit of trust there. Wouldn't necessarily trust his fists, but maybe his legs. And this would be the last time we see Scott Hall in a WWF ring for six years. And you know how I knew that? He lost because I was like, "Damn, I didn't expect him to lose." That was a really good match, and I was like, "Oh wait, duh, I know what's going on here." Yep. And I want to repeat that I said Scott Hall. Not Razor Ramon. Oh, yes. Who yes. we call Four <laughs> So Doc Hendricks stops Vader and Cornette at ringside, saying he spoke with President Gorilla Monsoon, and he has chosen Yokozuna as the Mastodon's next opponent. And Vader gets very upset, pushing Corny, with Jim saying that it's not possible, as Yoko is hurt. And Cornette continues by saying that Zuna has made a mistake and he's stepping into the danger zone before claiming the Mastodon made the bad guy look like Margot Kidder. And I looked it up and that was rude. Deep. But that's perfect heel (laughs) shit because uh, I guess she got in a pretty bad accident and then had some pretty hefty mental health issues as well as physical health issues in the early 90s. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, she, after... After the Superman days, she was just kind of this shaky shell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess this is probably post-Starman uh, as well, which oh, yeah. is a movie that I like. But yeah, like, you know, she's most famous for Superman, for sure. But Mario Kidder, what a peach. Corny finishes by warning Yokozuna that they will injure his entire body when he enters the Vader Zone. Can we do, uh, is it Kenny Loggins? Highway to the Vader Zone. <laughs> Done it. Vincent sends us to footage of Undertaker and Paul Bearer on an AOL chat. Ooh. Hilarious. I could not get enough of Undertaker near a computer. <laughs> we then get a tour of the WWF shop where you can get polos and hats with superstar logos on them. And I was kind of like, these are pretty tame compared to your usual wrestling gear. Oh yeah, and it was only $40. I would kill for uh, the matching polo and uh, hat. It'd be such a fun, fun thing to own. Which one? Not Warrior because number one, that blue is way too bright. The Undertaker one looked pretty good. Yeah, Undertaker or Shawn. Both seem very plain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So probably either, very, either or I'd flip a coin for very it. Very not sexy boy. It was not. A polo is not sexy. <laughs> But they called it a sport. It's because they couldn't say polo. It's a brand. <laughs> <laughs> it's a golf shirt. We go back to the arena and we see a sign from three teenage boys that says the six best reasons to watch WWF. Sonny, Marlena, and Sable. 
Ooh. Hilarious. I did not catch that one. That's very good. Can we be gross and rank them? Or do we not do that and move on? We don't do that and we move on. Sunny, Marlena, and Sable. Yeah. I'm doing three for me. Marlena looks... Uh, I mean, uh, Sable looks pretty great here, but I... The reason... I was never a Sable guy. I wasn't necessarily either, but I, I, I could... I could be like, hey, remember Alexandria York? Like, yeah. Yeah, we all remember Alexandria York. Let's see. For me, Alexandria York was hotter than Marlena. Oh, I agree. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm fan, yeah. That's the only reason that I would put Sable like, over her. Cause... That's why I would keep it in the... The only way that I would keep it in the range that it's at here. Otherwise, it would be yeah. Sunny, Sable, Marlena for me. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, yeah, that's where I'm coming from because... Marlena. She had that sexy librarian look to her. Mm -hmm. And I feel like she got some bolt-ons that are a little too bolty. A little bit. A little bit. Actually, I saw the sign. I had a thought of a hot take for you. Well, let's hear it. If Kimberly was here. She'd be number one. Ooh, it would be it would be her and and uh, Sunny for for the top spot, definitely. But my God, Sunny is hotter than the surface of the sun. It's crazy. Not I think I think Kimberly is up there. Well, and, Kimberly and, and, here, and and here's Kimberly like, had staying. You, you can go. You can go to twenty. Uh -huh. Go to twenty twenty two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Kimberly for sure. Kimberly's <laughs> still the hottest one of all. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Absolutely, Kimberly. Like, but I'm just saying, at the time, it's like, mm, well, you know, Sunny is the hot bitch and she knows it, and Kimberly is uh, sweet and nice and. I prefer. Yeah. I All prefer. she needs is somebody to take her ponytail mm -hmm. off and let her shake her hair yeah. around, pull her glasses off, and she seems, she's all that. She seems fun and nice. Tammy <laughs> does not seem fun and nice. And no. we know that Tammy isn't fun and nice. Yeah, Tammy is not fun and nice. Terry is also kind of the same, I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't know. Sable's uh, self-absorbed. Rena, no. yeah, she... I liked her when she... Like, the look that she had... In the starting days in WWF, I thought she was beautiful there. It's when she becomes the full-on centerfold, yeah, yeah, wearing next to nothing. That's when I didn't like how Sable looked anymore. No, here she looks uh, really good. I mean, granted, they she still looks good then, too. But, you know, mm -hmm. we're just being superficial, which was my caveat at the beginning. Are we going to get gross? Because, you know, it's a wrestling podcast. We're all friends here. Let's see. We've got Sunny, who fucked everyone. Marlena, who was with Dustin. And... Uh, else? Shoot. Didn't she sleep with New Jack, too, at some point? Who? Uh, Marlena. I have no idea. I'm trying to remember. But uh, we, I do know that Tammy was with... Um, Everybody. Well, no. She was with, uh, like, <laughs> she was with uh, like Candido. Yeah. And then moved and then on. And then was, like, beating on him. Yeah. But... <laughs> And then you got Sable, who Sable really she had her secured the bag, her wild man, and then she went for old Brock. And I assume there was somebody he, in between. He definitely him. married up. Really, Brock hit the scene right around the time that uh, Mero was trying to talk about Chris Benoit. Hmm. I think. Cause I feel like yeah. I know they were split up by then. I believe. I maybe. Yeah, it's still weird to me that she's with Brock. It is weird, but she doesn't do anything, and she never will. She's chilling at home, and she's, she's, older, she's older than Brock as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's older than all of us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
Doing some yeah. quick math. <clears throat> so we go to our fourth match. The Godwins of Henry O. and Phineas I. Godwin with Hillbilly Jim versus the Body Donnas of Skip and Zip with Sonny for the WWF Tag Team Championships. So we got Hog, Pig, Skip, and Zip all fighting for the belts. Yeah, I was like, wait a second, that's Hillbilly Jim. They're calling Phineas Pig, right? And I was like, yeah, they are. Yes. So last time we saw Phineas, he was Tex Salinger. And Clash of the Champions 27. I was wondering, I was like, I don't think we've seen Phineas yet, but we've seen Henry. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. And that was episode 121. Also, the last time we saw the Tag Team Championships was at the Royal Rumble 96, episode 183. But since then, the guns have been forced to vacate because of an injury, and the Body Donnas won them on the WrestleMania free-for-all in a tournament final. Against the Godwins. And the Body Donnas are not over. Sonny is over, even though the Body Donnas are good wrestlers. Correct. And the Godwins are a bad gimmick. So they brought in fan favorite Hillbilly Jim to try Fan and favorite Hillbilly Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe about 10 years too late, <laughs> but. Yeah. But you're in farmland right uh, now, yeah. so. You better to bring in. But he's, been around, but he's been with Hog for a while. Yeah, the slop got over for like fucking half a second. Skip goes for a Thez press to start. Only for Henry to catch him, but this brings in Zip to help. Gaining the advantage momentarily until Hog can hit a double clothesline. Phineas comes in and starts biting Zip's arm. And Henry keeps up the attack on that arm, only for Zip to escape with an eye rake, bringing Skip back in. Hog catches Skip trying to leap up and over on a whip to the corner. But the body Donnie slips out the back, only for Henry to hit several shoulder blocks and a body slam. Hog follows with a battering ram into the corner and a wheelbarrow slam that sends Skip scurrying out to the floor. Is that that crazy, like, like monkey flip slam? Yeah. That thing looks insane. I couldn't believe that bump or, like, yeah, that move was just so wildly dangerous. It's like, oh... Try to protect your face as I... <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, it's insane looking. Zip jumps in the ring, trying to confuse everyone that he's actually Skip, but the ref isn't falling for twin magic. It's funny because... The boobs aren't big enough, sorry. They do not look... this. They have blonde hair, but they do not look the same. Yeah. I mean, they From a blonde. distance, they look the same. Yeah. Yes. In the ring, side okay. by side... One is clearly bigger than the other one. You, you might get confused, but it's one like, is who's, clearly older yeah. than the other one. Who's the squatter guy, and who's the more fit guy? Who looks like brother love, and who does not? <laughs> Pig makes his way into battle with Skip, using his power advantage, until Zip low bridges the ropes, sending Phineas tumbling out to the floor, where Zip kicks him before tossing him back in for a two-count. The body Donnies are working over Pig with a double slingshot suplex for a near fall. While Sonny shows us some real bounce. Sure does. Skip then applies a headlock, only for Phineas to escape. But he misses a clothesline, allowing Skip to leap up and nail a hurricanrana for a two count. And they call it a Frankensteiner, which I thought was funny. More double teams from the Body Donnas, but it riles Pig up and he starts throwing mule kicks everywhere. Which are hilarious. He looks like he's having a seizure. He's like kicking like he's trying to entertain a child. It's like, what? This is what a horse does. Well, all of a sudden, Sunny has a framed picture of herself. 
Phineas finally makes his way to the corner for the hot tag. With Henry cleaning house with right hands, backdrops, and press slams. All while Sonny is distracting Pig at ringside. He's the weaker mind. Hillbilly Jim comes over and starts to threaten her with the slop bucket. While Hog delivers the slop drop to Zip. Jim even takes the picture and shoves it into the slop while Henry's making the cover. But the ref is distracted by all of the shenanigans outside. So Hog comes over to get the ref while the body Donnas switch places, allowing Skip to roll up Henry for the pin and the win. Post-match, Hog is pissed about the photo, and he shoves it back into the slop bucket and getting... On to his cousin. You horny little so-and-so? Yeah. But Pig then pulls it out and pockets the picture. He hides it in his little um, uh, coveralls. While everyone's leaving to the back. They are overalls. I was like, (laughs) what is the thing? Coverall? Overall? But um, it's like, so they pinned him, but he was the illegal man. Like, what's the out? Why why didn't they consult Jim Cornette for this tag match? (laughs) But yeah, it's like, hmm. The, the the illegal guy pinned the illegal guy, or no Henry was the illegal guy. Henry was the illegal yeah. guy, but like, body Donners just did twin magic and switch places. Yeah, so yeah. the fresh man was in the ring. Yeah, so that's uh, that kind of this weird thing where it's like, oh yeah. I mean, that's what they. That's what they do. That's what they were doing. They were basically doing the I mean, killer. Uh, they were doing the killer bees thing. Yeah, yeah, but the killer bees. Much more fun. I agree. And they looked alike when their masks were on. They did. Absolutely. Vincent sends us to a commercial for the next pay-per-view. And we get black and white Memorial Day fun and swimsuits and cookouts. But wait a second. But then wrestling highlights kick in with a list of matches. And the color shoots in. We then go to Doc Hendricks in the locker room. And he's joined by Mark Merrow and Sable. And he mentions that Triple H had attacked the wild man during his match versus 1-2-3 Kid during the free-for-all. Hit a pedigree on him. Mark doesn't understand why anyone would release the beast from his cage, saying Hunter stuck his silver spoon where it doesn't belong when he messed with Sable. Merrill finishes by saying he has unleashed the fury and entered the jungle before Hendrix sends it to footage of that Triple H pedigree. I'm a bad man. I know. It sucks that he can't do the thing. It would be, I think it would be pretty good here if he could have just taken the gimmick with him. But, like, even then, I mean, who knows? We go back to McMahon, and he tells us to send in our cable bill to get a calling card with five minutes of long distance on it. I wonder if they sent the calling card or if it was one of those things where it's like, oh, we just want your number so we can send you ads. Probably the second. Not your number, your address. Yeah. Probably both. Vince and the King then discuss our main event before sending it to a video package with Todd Pettengill narration. We see the history of Sean and Diesel's friendship, but Big Daddy Cool realized the dream first, but his year as champion has made him bitter. Michaels overcame adversity to make the boyhood dream come true, defeating the same man who ended Diesel's reign. We then get comments from both competitors, where the Heartbreak Kid promises a party with the click as they dance all over Big Daddy Cool's face. While Diesel claims he has something for Vince, and when it's live, he's digging it the most. And I was like, was he basically just telling everyone he was going to WCW? Because, you know, 
WCW is always live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He also said all the little clicksters. And he, I, I don't know, calling Vince out like that eliminates Vince as just the on-air commentator because... Yeah, if you don't know, you so might not in the, notice. In the build-up to this match, from what I've read, like he was basically calling out Vince this entire time and basically outed him as the actual yeah. owner of the... It was kind of the first time that it had kind of been put out there. I always try to remember when that line officially got crossed. I couldn't... I always attribute it back to Brett spitting on Vince after the screwjob. I mean, I think that's when it, like, they when it was, when you, full, yeah. full blown. Yeah, when it was Mr. no Mac longer Man. deniable or whatever. Like, it's like, oh, well, now, yeah. now, now you can't. Your former champion just spit in your face on TV and lotioned the words WCW yeah, on camera. Yeah, you can't, ru- you can't sweep this one under the rug. <laughs> but this, you kind of can. Yeah. So we go to our fifth match, Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Versus the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels with Jose Lothario in a no-holds-barred match for the WWF Championship. And we see Mad Dog Vashon's out in the crowd, guys, with Vince mentioning that a car wreck cut his career short, leaving him with a prosthetic leg. Sad for, sad for Mad <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to see anybody lose a limb. I wish they would have shown him in the crowd... Earlier in the evening, I yeah. would say so because literally showing him right here, like I went, oh, that's what we're gonna do. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a spot. Yep. Yeah. So as soon as the heartbreak kid is in the ring, he attacks with punches, but a big knee from Diesel slows him down. Big Daddy Cool whips Sean to the corner, only for him to leap up and over the charging Diesel, allowing Michaels to drop kick Big Daddy Cool out to the floor. Where HBK follows out with a baseball slide and a top rope crossbody. Hot shit. While Diesel's returning to the ring, Sean takes the boot off of one of the Spanish announcers <laughs> before going up to the top rope again, coming in with a flying boot shot for a two count. Michael's whip is then reversed, sending him into a flare flip out to the apron, where Big Daddy Cool knocks him off onto the guardrail. Back in the ring, Diesel keeps up the punishment with elbows, forearms, short arm clotheslines, and a snake eyes, before turning his attention towards McMahon to yell at him. Returning to the heartbreak kid, Big Daddy Cool delivers knees in the corner, chokes in a side slam, before choking the ref with tape so he can remove Earl Hebner's belt to begin whipping Sean with. Oof. You hear the guy in the crowd making the Shawn Michaels intro sound. Uh-huh. Going, ah, ah. <laughs> like through a lot of the match, it's pretty funny. I did not. Yeah, hear it's that. like, oh, you little, you little troll, you. <laughs> Diesel continues to use the belt to choke and ends up hanging Michaels over the ropes before tying it to one of the ropes as well, allowing Big Daddy Cool to go grab a chair to use across the back of HBK. Pretty. Uh... Pretty brutal stuff. A little bit for uh, WWF. A little bit, some uh, some dusty in the garden throwback. The ref helps untie Sean, but Diesel continues to use the chair inside the ring until Michaels avoids while on the ropes. So the chair ends up bouncing back into Big Daddy Cool's face to put him down. Now HBK has the chair, but Diesel goes low to regain control before nailing a back body drop for a near fall. 
Big Daddy Cool applies a headlock when Sean tries to rally. Only we toss to the floor with Diesel falling out to put Michaels through the announce table with a jackknife powerbomb. And I always get so scared with the OG monitors. I'm like, ah, those look heavy and sharp. Also, uh, pointing out that you were talking about Big Daddy Cool exposing Vince McMahon throughout these promos. Uh, There's a spot earlier in this match where he says, hey, McMahon, this is how we do it in the 90s, which is uh, pretty funny because you don't get a whole lot of that while the match is going on. Mm -hmm. But he says it very loud to the point where it picks up very clearly. So Vince is helping remove the TV equipment off of HBK, and Big Daddy Cool grabs the title and acts like he has won. But Sean doesn't give up, and he crawls his way back to the ring, finding a fire extinguisher to spray in Diesel's face, which blinds him. Michaels begins to fire up with right hands, a jumping forearm, and then he kips up and grabs a chair to use over the back and head of Big Daddy Cool. And I will say... It's no count out, but most of the match is kind of still in the ring because it's wrestling. The Heartbreak Kid then telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Diesel to hit a clubbing forearm and a big boot. He lifts him for another jackknife, but Sean, with rabbit punches, is able to take him down to the mat. I love that spot where he's like, just like kind of does a, a half like sit up on the shoulders and does the punches. It's uh, a nice way to get out of that. Michaels then heads up top for a flying elbow. He then sets up for some sweet chin music. The Big Daddy Cool catches the boot and delivers a clothesline. And both men are down as they show McMahon and Lawler standing with a production assistant holding their monitor because, you know, they can't watch the action in the ring. Yeah, yeah, they can't call what's at, well, and they can't call what's on camera, I guess. But, at the same time, they took the boot off of the Spanish announcer, but they slammed through the English announce table, which normally, back, we're always like, ah, through the Spanish announce, the Spanish announce table. But here, you know, moved around a little bit. They get back to their feet, where Diesel clotheslines the Heartbreak Kid descending to the floor, and he falls out to drop him across the guardrail. After rolling Sean back into the ring, Big Daddy Cool looks to climb in as well. But he stops and looks to have a devious idea. Hmm. Walking over and grabbing Mad Dog Vashon, taking his prosthetic leg off. I know, they already foreshadowed with the boot. Very funny. Diesel then climbs back into the ring and goes to hit Michaels with the leg. But Heartbreak Kid checks the tire pressure before using the leg himself and nailing Sweet Chin music for the pin and, and the, the win. win. And he definitely nails it, and tire pressure means a low blow. Post-match, Sean starts yelling at Big Daddy Cool, telling him to get the fuck out of his ring. (laughs) Starts mocking Hogan, and fireworks explode, while Vince says they set a new standard before setting his goodbyes as we fade to black. And this would be the last time we see Kevin Nash in a WWF ring for six years. Wild. They got some easy money to make. That they do. They've got some uh, wrestling organization to murder. <laughs> with a with a grip of folks. Quick question: mm-hmm. Did uh, Diesel just have like his best two matches in the last two shows? Absolutely, mm-hmm. he absolutely did. I think that he had some good stuff with 
Brett, but other than that, but like other than the last other, two, no, other than that, no, not at all. I think these were better than the matches he had with Brett, and I think so too. And yeah, it's it's. Uh, it, I feel like the Brett matches were too long, which was the yeah. uh, which was the issue. Yeah, he was one of Brett's best opponents. Brett wasn't necessarily one of his best. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But yeah, the the Brett matches. Just, they just it's like ah, if you could cut a few minutes off of it then maybe it would feel as good as diesel and undertaker and diesel and sean plus diesel and brett never felt like it had a believable build like as much as undertaker because undertaker pulls him out it's a big iconic moment it's used in packages forever and then sean and diesel were friends and he started as sean's bodyguard so like there's not only are those matches tighter, they also have a history. strong yeah history and a stronger reason yeah. to for us to be invested. Absolutely. Whereas Brett, it was just like oh, like this is just kind of this like monster, but you don't have a strong personal involvement. So I ask you, gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of in your house? Good friends, better enemies. A nice, swift show with an incredible tag match that doesn't involve the tag belts. And then a useless comedy match that I understand because of injury. It's incredibly solid main event. I think two tag matches is a little much, but it might just be because the first one was so much better than the second one. But I didn't hate the second one. It's just the first one was fucking like tag team wrestling for dummies done to yeah done extremely uh, professionally which is sad to say too just because the first tag team match wasn't necessarily two tag teams it was just four people kind of thrown together in a match whereas the second tag team match was the actual tag team champions and an actual tag team and it didn't have the same oomph to it, but it was still... That might be the the, the Pritchard and Corny Magic. The Not Pritchard, I'm sorry. But like it, yeah, Pritchard, Roberts, Owen Hart. Davey Boy Smith's been around for fucking ever. Like, yeah. Ahmed was used perfectly in that match. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was used so perfectly in that match, and I feel like it's like there's too much history for this to, like, go poorly unless they didn't try. There's only one thing about that match that disappoints me, Mm -hmm. and I'll talk about it here in a little bit. Yeah. And then the other thing is the other singles match, Vader and Razor, is a good big man match. It's really good. And uh, I was surprised when Razor lost, even though I didn't want Razor to lose. I just assumed Vader was going to take the pin because I was like, fuck, I don't want Vader to lose. I'm a Vader fan, and I love Razor Ramon as well, so I was conflicted. But as soon as Vader won, I knew exactly why. Because I knew we were coming up on it, but I didn't know exactly when it was. So it all made sense to me. But it was still a pretty good competitive match. Razor fighting from underneath, but not being able to pull it off. I mean, agreed on basically all of that there. The first match was a lot of fun. I think the snake part of it at the very beginning... A little long in the we could have, We could have done without it and just made it a full-on solid tag match, but... Because they just it, had at the least It got the, the crowd hyped up. It's like we get the Ahmed pop. Good point. Is Very good Ahmed point. Pop? 
There wasn't yeah, Omnipop. Okay. Yeah, they were like they if, were they like, were all in for Omnipop. Like the whole match. His music hits. Yeah. He comes out the thing yeah. and they go yeah. shit crazy. See, I yeah. can't remember his music plan. I just all of a sudden he yeah. was there. No, and like he he was legitimately so great in this, and it's like he's limited, but everybody else understood what their job was with him, and he understood what his job was, and he delivered better than so many people that have been put in that position. I mean, all in all, the show I enjoyed. You know, I I remember when it came to Omaha, wanting to go and see it, and then not going to see it, and then hearing somebody tell me one thing that has just kind of stuck in my head through all these years to the point that you know I didn't even think the Ultimate Warrior showed up to it. I oh thought, yeah. I mean, I didn't realize he actually had made it there because that's what somebody had told me was Warrior didn't show up. Well, fuck him. I mean, he kind of um, showed up, but it wasn't his fault. He couldn't yeah. manage. But I mean. Start to finish, it was a fun show. It's an easy the, switch. The corniness of the the warrior thing, I understand why they had to do what they did. It was a different thing for him, but I didn't hate it. It's better than it could have been. Yeah, the the Vader Razor match was fun. I feel like Ultimate Warrior showed more personality. He did in that one match than he's shown in the entire rest of the time that we've seen him. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, he seemed human for a second. He was smoking the cigar. He was, you know. Goading him and you know doing being un- uncharacteristic yeah. of a warrior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is two in a row for WWF to have some capital W on the show. Mm-hmm. There is quite a bit of solid psychology, absolutely in places. There's solid character work, and the main event is intense. It really is. I want to say shortlist on it. It's great. I, I mean, like, that. yeah, the the intensity is there, and that's what's with the Undertaker and Diesel. Less intense, but it, but they're bigger and slower guys, and they weren't friends. But it was still very, very good. Brett and Diesel, it just kind of felt like, oh, well, this is what we're gonna do right now, and we can we can kind of we can kind of make it make sense, but it's not you know personal issues draw money. And that's what this was, and they delivered on yep. the personal issue. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. Smart, smart, smart. So, what are some of the best moments of the show? I have talked about it, but that tag match, the first tag match, I am in love with it. It's not like the greatest. Thing ever, it's just the most well put together. It's so much better than it looks on paper, and it the heavy belts, the heavy tag belt should. That's what a heavy tag belt match should look like. A little bit more competitive. Not even that. Like the the heels were healing, and uh, they were making the other guy look strong. But you can kind of only do with like this like new team thing, but either way, it was just like this is tag team wrestling, and uh, not too far into that, I just wrote in big capital letters like this is wrestling because so many times people were like this is wrestling and I'm like, well I mean it's like modern wrestling but it's not like it's it's definitely wrestling. But it's not like that tag match is fucking wrestling. Oh yeah, that's yeah. fucking wrestling. Nowadays, everybody just wants a chance of exactly. Chance. And that this one was like, this is where you drop a this is wrestling chant. Yeah, 
I like the first match. The the Warrior match, I'll throw it on there as one of the best moments just because it was him, like oh, wow. you said, showing some personality. Yeah, the last time I saw Warrior look like he was having fun in a ring was when he was chasing Bobby Heenan around back in the you know, late 80s. Now, if you didn't, didn't really see much of that from him after he became the champion, after he had his feud with Savage... You know, you, you didn't get that after WrestleMania 7, really. It, he just always had that same persona about him, and this was finally the the laid-back, let like try yeah. and have a little bit of fun here, because what the hell else are we going to do, Warrior? It did kind of feel like he was almost ready to play ball. Yeah. Which we know that eventually that's not the case, but this shows some like some idea of him like... Yeah. He knew that there wasn't anything too serious he had to do with it, and it's like, hey, you're Dusty's kid, let's just go have yeah. fun. Like, Dustin and Marlena are going to do their jobs incredibly well, and Warrior understood the assignment and delivered it very well. He uh, teased them correctly and, uh, you know, did the little hand burn thing, you know. He did a good a good job, but then, uh, it was long, and I wish I would have had a match. So... You wish you had a match. Would it have been disappointing if they come out there and he had been like, hey, I'm hurt, I can't have this match, so you're facing the bodyguard? No, I don't want that. I'd rather have this. And then it just would have been a warrior squash, squash match against yeah, yeah. the bodyguard. No, I prefer this for sure. I'm just saying, just like I think best case scenario. I literally think that is really the only other option option yeah. that you probably could have had. This is definitely if, if you're If you're going to have that feud on this show. Yeah, and I would say, like, this is the piss match, but it's like, if you were at the show, that's the Ultimate Warrior. Which they like, technically didn't leave. have to put no. this feud on the show. They could have... 14-year-old Cody um, comes through the crowd. Stone Cold and Vega had a dark match. They could have continued that feud on yeah. this show instead. But they probably put Warrior on the poster, and they gotta put War. Yeah, so I'm not mad at it because of the circumstance. I think they did a really good job considering Yeah. But that it's was. also the only like n- like not wrestling match on the show, which is as somebody cool. in Nebraska at the time, yeah, that's the only person I knew that was advertised for the show, and that's why I was so pissed off when somebody told me that he didn't show up to the point that I never watched the show up until this morning. Oh, nice. That's funny. I assumed you would have caught it at some point. Huh? Because so, I was in my angry phase of "fuck you" if you're not going to show up, and I'm yeah, not going to watch your damn yeah, show. Exactly. Considering the limitations of. The Godwins, I think that match is much better than I think what you're giving it credit for. No, I don't think that it's bad. I just think that that first one was so good. I mean, yes. If there was only one tag match, I would have probably loved that But this is the kind of show that the tag team belts needs to be on. I agree. I mean, it wasn't on WrestleMania, so it, it definitely needs to be on. They need to quit shoving the tag team title off to the pre-show. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm not mad at that match at all. I'm just really in love with the person. It took them like 20 years to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How about most disappointing? I'll, I'll start since I yeah, mentioned that ahead. I'm going to have one. Go mm-hmm. for it. So, Davy Boy kind of plays the chicken shit heel yes. a little bit in that match, which is fine. You can do that. But then they turn around and they have a backstage segment where he's yelling about Shawn Michaels. It's like he's calling out the champion. If you 
if you can probably guess what I'm trying to say is mm-hmm. that he's now going to go and face, but he's scared of Ahmed Johnson. Of Ahmed Johnson, who's just this mid card guy. Which like he could do the like trepidatious thing and still get in the ring and be trepidatious and then, you know, take advantage of like you know teasing a test of strength or something with Ahmed Johnson and still put over Ahmed Johnson in the same way, which would have made more sense and he could have pulled off. I think that is my only issue with that match. It's very because it's very intelligent. If you're going to have. build him to be the next challenger for Sean, which spoilers. That's, yeah, that's what it is. They're building for that. I, I feel like you can't be scared of this mid card guy. Yeah, mid card guy that gets a, gets a pop, but you can go in there and be quasi chicken shit. But you can't be like on the apron and then like tagging Owen. Like you can't do that. Yeah, you can go in there and you can tease and get advantage, but you can't. Uh, it's a very good, very good point, Matthew. Yeah, it, like I said. Very small thing. Yeah. But it's... It makes a lot of sense. But it's a thing that that is there. The logic is totally... Uh, and as we know, WWF doesn't always have logic, so... Yeah. Talking wrestling. Most disappointing yeah. would be at myself for waiting 26 years to watch this fucking show. Yeah. And it's a wonderful <clears throat> run where it's like an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, beautiful. That's why I like In Your Houses. They're in and out, and they're... Even when they aren't, like great they're always very watchable so far yeah like there's been none where i'm like damn that was a slog they move quick wwf i'll give it to them they always open the show and then go straight to the first match they don't waste any time also another disappointing that just popped in my head and it's superficial but the fact that jake tapped out to a leg bar oh yeah after getting a little tap on the knee from a tennis racket I agree with that as well. Yeah, but Jake's... Jake Roberts, come on now. Yeah, but Jake's... He's back in graces, and, you know, at least he's doing the right thing and not being a diva. Oh, and yeah. So... But yeah, I can understand that. It's like, maybe if they worked the knee a little bit more in the match or something. But it's a loaded racket. How about best performer of the night? I'm giving it to Diesel, guys. You think so? I fucking love this match. I mean, it's... And Diesel Diesel works his ass off. I like this match more than the Taker match. Uh, oh, definitely. But because even, and I think the Taker match is great, but uh, this is the right length, right psychology, and it for WWF, at this point in time, it is brutal, and the brutality like holds weight. It's not just... They let it breathe enough to for the audience to track it, for them to sell it, it's not, you know, hit him with a chair, and then he hits you with a chair or something like that. It's like, oh, when he hits him with the Spanish announce boot, like, it, it matters. Yep. I'm trying to think there's anybody else that I'd want to give it to. I mean, Sean, but we all know Sean is, uh, he's a performer. I'll give it to Sable for her just staring at the camera. <laughs> she does. She <laughs> yeah. does have a fucking I'm thousand, here yeah, too. thousand yard stare for sure. But, you know. Diesel, I think Vader and uh, Ramon were great, but they weren't as good as Diesel. You know, we've had so many things where it's like, oh, what about a really great Marty and Sean match? Never really happens. Uh, Tito Martel, never really happens. This one happened, and it, I think it delivered. Oh, yeah. And we got our falling out for the, the dudes, two yeah. dudes with attitudes. And I feel like we haven't had one that really paid out like that, where they were partners. 
in a really long time, and that is classic wrestling, and they did it to great effect. Probably the last one was Mega Powers. Yep, and uh, this isn't quite as big as Mega Powers, but it's done really well, especially considering that the product's not as hot. Yep. How about most surprising? That this was the official end of Scott and Kevin for six years without... Yeah, I didn't realize this is where it, it stopped for them. I know they've got a couple other things, you know, the... I mean, the house curtain shirt, call and what The curtain call still hasn't happened at yeah. this point. But this is just the last we're going to see of them before they become them. outsiders. Yeah. While watching the show, my most surprising thing was that I assumed Razor would beat Vader. But as soon as Vader pinned him, it I knew exactly why, so it was no longer surprising. While I was watching it, I was like, fuck, he's going to beat Vader. Fuck, he's going to beat Vader. But I just didn't have... I wasn't I mean, thinking they, about they, him they, leaving they the right They fed now. Razor Ramon to Vader. They did. And they shouldn't. It's, it's another big opponent that Vader's now beat. Yeah. And it was the right, over just a little bit more. It was absolutely the right thing to do. I'm just saying that, like, you know, Razor's been a big babyface draw. And, uh, you now know. Him and one, two, three kid have something in common. Yeah. And the heels, <laughs> won, the, the heels won the first match, you know. That, that was kind of my thought but it made sense so like in hindsight it's not surprising but while it was happening i was interested to see who would go over and then on the same show ultimate warrior and ahmed johnson showed they have a little bit of personality hiding beneath the surface yeah and then i was surprised with that being like this kind of weird comedy match but i knew that he, like i didn't know he was hurt going in but i picked up very quickly because it was obvious but outside of that Nothing real surprising. I love watching like a couple ECW shows in a row and then hitting a WWF show and being like, yeah. Because sometimes it's just like, ah, it, it just feels a little bit better after... You can see it all clearly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, we like turned on the, the Spice channel and it's all blurry. And then like there was like a free trial weekend and you're like, yes, everything makes sense now. <laughs> so... You know, it's just like, ah, I can see the forest with the trees. And ECW is totally different, totally different product, but this is clean and it looks nice and the production value and the angles are more, typically more pronounced. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Uh-oh. This week, the category is music of the map. Buzz in with the correct answer for three points. All right, he's going to play a tune. Michael? Uh, Bob Backlund? Incorrect. I know what my other guess was. Damn. I have a second guess. I'm just kidding. I took the uh, I took I took the guess that was probably the more wild card guess. What is this? You got it. You know it. It's not coming to mind. Actually, now I'm thinking of something else. Oh, nice. It's abrasive. I think yeah. Now I'm between two, but I think I know what it is. Not fucking clue. Uh, 
What were their names? <laughs> 93 and 94, eh? Mm -hmm. It's too late for Firebreak to Chip, I think. Oh yeah, that's funny. I would have <laughs> never thought that. The Steiner Brothers. Incorrect. What the fuck oh, was it? It's Oh wow! I was thinking. Okay. I was like, I was like British That's Bulldog. I have no clue. And then I was like, oh no, maybe Doink. And I was like, fuck. Now I don't really know. No, was, all I could think of was maybe it was the Steiner Brothers' early music that I didn't recognize because I remember they the had Michigan some sort of collegiate song. Collegiate song. Yeah. It's the Banda del Estado Mayor della Secretaria della Defensa Nacional. It's the Secretary of Defense National Anthem. Yep. Okay. In Mexico. Yeah. That, that, that explains why I have no uh -huh. fucking clue who yeah, yeah, that exactly. is. Well, my other guesses were also very wrong. But Bob Ackman yeah, came out. I knew that one was going to be tough. Yeah, that's funny. But it's a fun one. What is that? Exactly. done a AAA show, I'm guessing? It was the AAA show yeah. that we okay. watched. He, Great show. He won the main event. Okay. So Highly we played suggest, it yeah. at the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Highly suggest everybody watch that wonderful show with English commentary. Next week, we're going to Nitro, guys, on April 29th, 1996. I feel like it's been a while. A little bit. It's been a few weeks for us. We've had some W's and E's, and then back to the W, and now we're going to the WC. Music from this week's show is In Your House by Jim Johnston, and Sexy Boy by Jimmy Hart and J.J. McGuire. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns... Recipes. We're going... Where are we going? Albany, Georgia. Georgia. Oh, there's an Albany in Georgia. Hey, who knew? Maybe I'll, the maybe I'll make like a Georgia apple pie so I can uh -huh. have... It's the Big Apple and the South all together. I don't know. If, That's a pretty good idea. I don't I know. Like it. If, if you know of anything from... Georgia that I should make, let us know. Shoot us an email. Hit us up on Twitter. Slide into our DMs. Yeah, and you can do that at our email, wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week.